Hello and welcome to episode 19 of Finding My Voice. I uh, had a lot of fun <laughs> last time when I was tipsy and spoke to Emmanuel, and I hope anyone listening enjoyed it too. It was a little longer than usual, but I think I want to keep doing that. Invite other people over, maybe Emmanuel again and other people, and just have a chat about transition-related things and role-playing. Because uh, I did so enjoy that. And I think it's a good for perspective. Now, Emmanuel is a binary trans man. Uh, just like I am a binary trans woman, I do think I should sometime invite an NB, a non-binary, someone who doesn't fall into um, the, uh, the label of man or woman, but somewhere in between or outside the spectrum altogether. Because I think everyone needs a voice. I want to make that perfectly clear. I know that some some trans people do not accept NBs, non-binary people, under the term trans person. But of course I do. Just because I am binary doesn't mean I do not accept my my NB siblings. There are some who who just don't, and I I don't ever want to fall into that camp. I used to. Not well. I don't understand NBs fully, but I do feel that this is a place where I have grown, and that's something I'm very proud of in myself. Is that I uh, tend to well, I I've proven to myself that I am willing to change when I notice something about me that I'm not very proud of. Um, I haven't known about NBs for very long. In fact, I spoke to um. A friend who I knew was trans, just like I am. And uh, she, she goes by she, her. Well, she did then at least. Um, and um, we were just talking about our journeys. I was very early on mine. And, um, and I asked her, like, um, if, if she had been approved for hormone treatment yet. No, hang on. I wasn't on last. She said, she said she had been approved for HRT, hormone replacement therapy, but she wasn't quite sure if she wanted it or not. And I was just, what? What, excuse me, what? What do you mean, not sure if you want it? That didn't, that didn't compute in my head because I've always been a binary trans woman. I've, I've always known who I am and I've always had horrible dysphoria and I didn't quite know where my where my dysphoria ended and my identity began so to me they it seems like the same thing but that's because i just feel them at the same time all the time they're not necessarily the same thing and non-binary people even if they know where they lie like pronoun wise it's not always clear you know what the best course of action what the best treatment for them is but for me, it was desperate for for all the treatment I can get in, in trans care. It just seemed like saying, you know what? I have been cleared for breathing oxygen. I'm just not sure I'm interested in oxygen. And that's just, it just, what? That made, made, made no sense to me. But that's where I came to a crossroads. Now, I could either go, well, no, that doesn't make sense to me. So something's wrong here. You must be lying. Or you're crazy. Or 
Or I could accept that some people aren't exactly like me, some people's life experience lies outside of my scope, and I just have to listen and do the best I can to understand and learn and accept everyone for who they are. I mean, if I want people to accept who I am, I have to accept who other people are, obviously. Like, I just realized that it's hard for a cis person to understand dysphoria. I understand that must be super hard because it's so far from anything they've ever experienced. Well, um, I see dysphoria, I mean specifically gender dysphoria, obviously. Um, but um, with NBs, that's kind of what it is for me. I am binary, so I can't even begin to imagine what being non-binary is like. But that doesn't mean I have to stop, I have to ignore their existence. But I do think some people make that choice. And I think that's where a lot of bigotry starts. They're unable to see past their own scope. Uh, and like, even if you can't see past your own scope, you have to accept that you don't, you will not understand everything, but you still should accept other people, even if you can't understand them. And I was proud of myself that I managed to get past that. Of course, non-binary people are absolutely valid. They belong under the trans umbrella, you know? We're all in this together. Brothers, sisters, siblings, you know? I have no reason to leave anyone out in the rain. Why would I? And so, yes, I want to make that clear. I support my uh, NB siblings. There, it's said. I also support, like, like you heard with the Emmanuel, I also support people who did not find out or realize they were trans until later in life. I I realized very early, I I knew from the earliest memories I have, some people discover later. But I also have, I have also experienced some people who who don't accept people people's stories if they're slightly different than their own. I've met people who say that a trans person cannot be valid unless they knew from the get-go. I knew from the get-go, but that doesn't mean I have to um, invalidate anyone who didn't. Because I've also met people who discovered well after their teens or even later, and that's valid too. Your journey is your own. But I've met people on that side of the spectrum who doesn't believe people who say they've always known. I don't understand why people feel the need to discredit other people's life experiences. Do you think they're even either lying or crazy? Why? Can't you just accept that some people aren't like you? Well, that's where I lie anyway. Um... I accept NBs, I accept people whose trans experience is different than mine. I am super dysphoric, but I know that not every trans person is dysphoric. They're still trans and they're still valid and I still love them. Well, okay, that's dangerous to say that you love all of them, but you know, you know what I mean. I hope you do. So that's personal growth and personal development. And segueing that, I remember speaking a couple episodes ago about edgelords and edgelords are being fine as long as they develop. And I'd like... To revisit Alfhild again because, well, I, let's face it, I always like to revisit Alfhild because there's an interesting story about that character and 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 development. Because 
if you've listened to the other episodes, if you want to go back and do that, if you, if you start here, it's episode 2, 10, and 11 speak about Alfhild. Well, Alfhild is a character that was assigned to me. Um, well, she was pre-generated from the start, but I wasn't her first player in our campaign. Uh, I replaced someone else. They had played a couple of sessions, and I got a document with her backstory, quite fleshed out, but then I got another document with the the extended backstory of how the previous player played her. Now, this posed a little bit of a challenge. Uh, I was up to it, and I think I nailed it, <laughs> because I needed the other players to recognize Alephild, even though um, she had a new player, me. It seemed to work out. Um, I don't know if it's because of my performance or because of uh, them being able to accept me. And I'd like to think it's a bit of both. Uh, but one thing about Alfhild is that the backstory and the character sheet sheds, said she is bitter. Now, nowadays when I play her, there's very little bitterness. And even when I started playing her, like... I could see how the backstory at first, whether that made sense, because she's been uh, rejected by her family and her village uh, for things that were out of her control. And I can see where the bitterness could come from. But some of the events, um, some of the events that preceded my taking over the character would have kind of reduced her bitterness. Well, first of all, the panic and the trauma. Uh, it's hard to be bitter when you're running for your life, you know? Uh, but there's also the fact that she realized she's half-folk and she developed these animal features and she was afraid of being rejected even more by the few people she still had. So the bitterness would have to take a little bit of a backseat. So when I started playing her, I was already moving past the bitterness. It wasn't gone there still was some bitterness to Alfhild. But nowadays, when I play her, um, I don't really see it anymore. She's moved past it. Like I said in the earlier episode, um, children grow faster than adults. They develop past these things faster. They are still forming. It's one of the wonderful things about playing a child. But I do want to speak about the moment. There's not always a clear moment. But Alvid has a clear moment when the last of her bitterness died. And um, I'm going to go into character, and this is going to be completely improvised. I should be in bed, actually. I'm, I'm recording this, like, two days earlier than I used to, but I was in bed, and I just thought of this story, and I just, I want to tell it. <laughs> so I'm going to have to, it's going to be completely improvised, and I'm going to do it in, in first person, so... It, I haven't planned out exactly how much to say, so I'm going to stop making excuses and just do it. Okay. So, um, I'm wearing this cross now. I didn't used to, but it means, it means a lot to me. Um, and I think it means a lot to Venya that I wear it because, well, it's a long story, and I'm going to have to gloss over a lot of things that happened on the way. But back in Tivisborg, um, when we were safe, the longest we've been safe for quite a while, um, we met this knight named Sir Guillaume. 
He's the one who carried the sacred sword that that Eskid is destined to watch over. Um, and his squire named Shokan um, came into our lives. Well, both Guillaume and Shokan, obviously. And um, and Sergio was kind, and so was Shokan. I, I had just recently um, shown my friends my ears and my tail and they accepted me and that was such a relief that they did but obviously it's still very scary because well there's a bunch of priests around and Sir Guillaume is a Templar I think which is like a priest knight knight priest like well it, it, it's a knight that is very 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 God-fearing anyway and so so was Shokan. Shokan was a boy, um, I think Venya's age, maybe a little bit older. And um, the others started, I don't know, took a liking to him. And that troubled me because I knew I had to keep my secret from everyone else. But if he was going to be around, then even though my friends knew, I would still have to be hiding around my friends because he was there all the time. And he's very God-fearing. And, and you know, the priests say, if you're God-fearing, you cannot accept people who are like I am. And so I I didn't like Shokan. I might have been a little short with him. He, he did protect us, and so did Sir Guillaume. Um... But later, when when Tivispor was attacked by Wolf and and the Fey folk, uh, we had to escape. Um, and then later, after a bandit attack, we were separated, and 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 Shokan fell into the river. It took days before we reunited with him. Sir Guillaume protected us for a while, um, but he got injured and got sick. And he got sicker and sicker, and then in that in that terrible, terrible castle, we abandoned, or well, not quite abandoned. That's a long story. Uh, but we took refuge in a castle, and that's where Sir Guillaume eventually died. And we also were separated from Venya, but eventually we reunited, and we found. Shokan, um, in a monastery, he was being treated for his injuries. And he was very happy to see us safe. And he asked where his master was. And I was the only one who had been there when he died. Um, well, not, that's not quite true. But Eli and and Eskid were also being treated, so they couldn't speak at that point. So I was the one who had to tell Shokan that he um um that his master was dead and he was heartbroken and he was very sad. Now I was still like, I felt sorry for him, but he was, I still didn't feel quite safe around him because he was still 
of the cross and the cross doesn't like me. I was being silly because I know Venya still loves God and, and she doesn't hate me. But um, Jokan was sad and I think he felt lost. And I felt a bit of sympathy for him and I felt like, I guess it might not have been sympathy. I don't know, it might have been selfishness. But I felt like if he was going to keep traveling with us, I didn't want to keep hiding, even though it was among friends. So I decided that he should see my ears. Um, I was terrified. I had nightmares about this earlier, about him. He almost caught me before. He almost saw when my, when my bonnet was on, you know, in a, not on properly. And he almost saw my ears a few times before and I was terrified I, I I just I would have visions about his hand going for his sword the moment he found out what I was and um that was frightening but at this moment I decided he should know and at least we should somehow trust each other if we have to travel together and as he saw my ears he gasped in fright and his hand moved and I thought I was going to see it move to his sword, but it didn't. It moved to the cross around his neck. And, um, I mean, that's better than sword, but it's still the symbol of the, the God that hates me. And so I felt entitled to say what I said. And I said, well, at least you didn't reach for your sword. <laughs> And the moment I said it, his face, he looked so hurt. He, he, I've seen him injured, but I've never seen him that hurt. And I hurt him. He said, why would I need my sword? You're my friend. And I felt so terrible. And that's... I don't know. I When I used to think that... That these ears were a punishment from God for being wicked. I used to wonder, what have I done that is so wicked? And I, right there... I felt wicked. <laughs> Because he has protected me from the day we met and I've been so cold to him. And I said, I, what I said to him right there and then when he was so sad, I <laughs> felt so wicked. <laughs> anyway, after that, after that, he was, I really did see him as a friend or even a brother for the for the rest of the days we had with him because he kept protecting me and in fact protecting me is what in the end got him killed <laughs> and we weren't able to bring his body with us we weren't able 
to give him a Christian funeral. But I managed to save his cross. Back then I gave it to Venya to wear. Because I was afraid. That if. I was afraid that God might not let him into heaven. If a half folk was wearing his cross. I really miss him. But now, I have come to realize that the, the hatred of, of the priests might not reflect what God actually thinks of people like me. Because, because Venya is the kindest person I know, and she believes in God, and she believes God loves me, and... Just the other day, I asked Venya if I could have Shokan's cross back. And she smiled and said, it suits me. And now, now I wear it. And I really hope, Shokan, that you are in heaven. And that you've forgiven me. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to stop it there because <coughs> I, I actually, I'm actually literally choking on my own tears right now. <coughs> wow. Okay, <laughs> but I think I got the point across. <laughs> So yes, um, Xiao Kan was actually, uh, he was a player character, uh, he was uh, someone who played with us temporarily, uh, he was moving away eventually and had to leave the story and that's around about when his character died and I don't know if the GM planned for him to die there but it was really dramatic um, and it was wonderful, uh, his player was wonderful and uh, that's, that and of course, I glossed over a lot of things. the 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 brief the story there, there was kind of a, a couple of of adventures, uh, like the TV story when we left that. There was the bandits. There was a the castle. Um, that was a whole horror story, um, and then the monastery was a mystery in its own. So there's a bunch of stuff that happened along the way there. But um, that is the moment when. When Alvil said that thing about the sword to Shokan and the player, even the player looked so sad when I said it. He's he's a wonderful role player, and the the hurt on his face really got to me. And well, I was I was Alvil at the time, and that was beautiful, a beautiful moment. And from that moment on, Alvil just hasn't been bitter. Um, so that's that's a great example of. Of character development like you can start a character one way and it grows and changes along the way and I love it I love it a lot <laughs> and oh yes there's a picture show can I've used it uh, in episode 10 I'll use it again uh, I need I want to honor him because that was a beautiful scene and it really was tragic the way and yes it was actually his act of protecting Alfeld that got him killed that just salt in the wounds. Speaking of which, um, that is the kind of thing that the game master really excels in. He talks to me about 
his game mastering technique and how he works to maximize emotional impact. And I've spoken to him recently, and he actually would like to show up as a guest uh, several times here, and I think that's a good idea. Whenever we can book a time, he's very busy. But he would like to just have a chat with me and talk to you guys about how he, he game masters um, for, as I said, maximal emotional impact. Um, and he also offered, this is fun, he also offered that we might even play a solo session um, on on mic like this. And, um, you know, so he'll game master for me as I'll feel um, I was gonna say before your very eyes, but I guess in your very ears. That sounds weird and creepy. <laughs> and of course, we can't have a full sessions because the other players won't be there. So it's gonna be like um, uh, he said he's, he has plans for a dream sequence, which makes sense because Alvild has had dream sequences before. Um, I had one in uh, episode. Uh, I I spoke about one in episode eleven, for instance. So there's precedence for that. Anyway, that's uh something you have to look forward to. I hope you enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, I, I I actually got out of bed to record this because I just felt like crying, I guess. I love crying. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I love giving Alvin some spotlights, and um, check back next week. Thank you. I love you. Bye-bye.